Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This time, Lentz backs up. He steps up. He starts to run. He fumbles the football. And let's see. Let's see. I think the Eagles are on it. They are. Fumble Carson Wentz. The hit by Brandon Graham. Fumble by Carson Wentz. And it is recovered by the Eagles. Well, Brandon Graham told Carson before the game that this was coming. Can I just tell you guys, that might have been my favorite game of the year. <laughs> you know, Glenn, the joy in Merrill Reese's voice yes. telling everyone that Carson Wentz had fumbled yes. was quite telling. And I quite shared telling. that glee, as did Mike Quick, as did we all. Unless I wish Carson Wentz the best. I, I hope he finds happiness in whatever course of life he wants to take hunting and going to church in North Dakota or whatever because I don't think it's going to be as a top flight NFL quarterback anytime soon but but I I asked our producer Kyle Quinn to pull that one up and Kyle has already done an outstanding job today and there will be more (laughs) because the biggest strength maybe well not the biggest strength because there are others but the huge strength of the Eagles and one that radically changed from last year was the strength of the defensive line, which went from 27 sacks, 27 sacks in the 2021 season to now, where are we, at 79 headed into the Super Bowl? Yes. Uh, yeah. Astounding and incredible. And, you know, there are reasons for that, acquisitions they had, Brandon Graham coming back and so on. Um, who did I go to first last time? I think I went to Mike first. Ray, I'll come to you first. Mm-hmm. When I look at the Super Bowl, the biggest edge I think the Eagles have is their defensive line against the Chiefs' offensive line. That, to me, is where they have the opportunity to win this game as they have all year. Uh, feel free to affirm my brilliance on that. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the Eagles' defensive line has been has pretty much won, has won the day all throughout the year, uh, and 70 sacks during, the, of course, the regular season would certainly attest to that. Um, the, and the Chiefs' offensive line has some what I would consider vulnerability. Uh, we all remember the Super Bowl a couple years ago when they just got hammered by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Patrick Mahomes was every bit the wizard then that he is now, uh, but he couldn't do anything because he didn't have any time to do anything. I mean, his offensive line didn't give him any protection. He spent the whole day running for his life, and um, and it totally shut him down, held him to nine points. And I think that's, you know, that can be done. If if you get that kind of pressure, you can take any quarterback out of the game. And 
The Buccaneers did that and won a Super Bowl, and I think that's going to be what the Eagles are going to try and do here. I think the the Chiefs now have they saw the problem and they and they worked the last couple of years to rebuild the offensive line, and it is better now than it was then. Um, the, the the kid center that they drafted from Oklahoma, Creed Humphrey, is very good, really good, uh, and so there's they're they're more stout in the middle, but I still think they're beatable on the edges, which is where the Eagles are pretty good. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr. is the left tackle, and he's he's going to the Pro Bowl. But I mean, I've seen him get beaten by pretty good pass rushers this year. The real the real matchup that favors the Eagles is on the other side, where you have Hassan Reddick matched up against Andrew Wiley, um, who is um, the weak link on the on the Chiefs' offensive line. Now, I know I know Andy, being the old offensive line coach that he is, has spent the last two weeks just drawing up protections and drawing up protection packages and trying to figure out how am I going to get this pass rush off of, off of my quarterback. And so he's probably worked up a whole lot of things in his protection to try and get Wiley help so that he's not one-on-one with Reddick uh, too often in this game. But if you're just looking at it straight up, if the Eagles go with the five-man front and they create one-on-ones at the line of scrimmage, Reddick versus Wiley is a matchup that the Eagles should win pretty much all day, and every time they do, it's going to be trouble for Patrick Mahomes. Mike Sielski? Yeah, it's, it's a really fascinating question, I think, Glenn, for this reason. The Chiefs only gave up 26 sacks all season. That's mm-hmm. the third fewest in the NFL, and only three teams threw it more often than the Chiefs did. So it's particularly impressive that, really, Mahomes was sacked only 26 times all year, and and to follow up kind of on what Ray said, I think that's as much, if not more, a function of Mahomes himself and his ability to get the ball out and avoid pressure and dance away and chuck it underhanded or sidearmed or throw it out of bounds. And, you know, he doesn't get as much credit for his smarts and intelligence and savvy as he does for his obvious athleticism. Having said that, he still is on this ankle that we don't quite know. I know. That's such an X factor. mobile he's going to be. Yeah. yeah. And so you could look at it one of two ways, right? To, to double back on what we said earlier in the show, I think I think you and Ray are 100% right. Like, he, Andy's going to want to get the ball out of Mahomes' hands quickly to try to neutralize the Eagles' pass rush. Uh, so if the Eagles can get to him that quickly, can they disrupt that? Can they cover the running backs? Can they cover Travis Kelsey uh, so that he can't get the ball out and he has to stand in there just that extra – heartbeat longer so that a guy like Hassan Reddick or a Brandon Graham or a Josh Sweat can get to him. So for what it's worth, and yes, the Chiefs have given up, uh, I think you said the third fewest sacks in the, in the league this year. Um, maybe playing into that, maybe, is of the teams that sack quarterbacks, they haven't faced them. Mm-hmm. The, the, they faced two teams that were in the top 10 in sack rate. Uh, Seattle, which was seventh in the league, Indy, which was eighth in the league. A game, by the way, that the Chiefs lost. Shocking yeah. loss. Um, so as as Ray, I guess as you said, they haven't faced or Mike, one of you, whatever. See, now I'm confusing you guys. Uh, they have not. They have not faced a pass rush like this. No. Uh, by all accounts, the young center is this great talent, and once Jason Kelsey retires, maybe the best center in the league. I and, think he will be. I th- okay, he, he's he is that good. Okay, and so getting that push up the middle might be tough. But if you can get it around the edge, they're tackles, and you can keep Mahomes from straying outside of that and get to him, to me, that's a huge factor in the game. 
Yeah, it is. And I think that's what the Eagles' plan is, to try and win on the edges, keep Mahomes in the pocket, don't let him get outside, don't let him get out there where he can create and go off script, because that's when he's at his most dangerous. And that's what the Eagles are going to try and do, and they have the personnel to do it. But one of the things that I think has helped keep that sack total down for them this year is that Andy has largely redesigned this offense with the trading of Tyreek Hill. Um, They're a different kind of offense now. When they had Tyreek Hill, they threw the ball down the field a lot more than they do now, uh, which resulted, which, you know, if if you're throwing those deep shots to Hill, you're holding the ball a little bit longer. Now, do you know, one of the, I thought one of the most interesting stats, looking back on Mahomes this year, you know how many touchdown passes he had longer than 30 yards this year? You think Patrick Mahomes, you think, it, you're, you're think it's bombs away, right? Yeah, well, sure. He had one. Longer one? Than, hmm. Longer than 30 wow. yards. What? So, I mean, a lot of, I mean, I don't want to say he's a dink and dunker, but they're doing it more than they used to. Yeah. And he had 11 guys yeah. on this team caught touchdown passes. So they spread the ball around now, and it's a lot more get-it-out-of-his-hand-quick kind of thing, which I'm not going to say is going to neutralize the Eagles' pass rush because it is that good, but it is going to be a challenge just getting to them because that's, that's the way they're built now. Get it out quick and let guys get yards after the catch. Right. Well, that's really, that's really interesting, Ray, because we know that Jonathan Gannon's defense is predicated on don't give up the big play. And if the Chiefs are a little more reluctant to take a shot down the field, you know, do the Chiefs adjust? Does Gannon change his defense at all to try to take away the short game? I mean, that's that's the chess match here, right? Yeah, it is. And the one thing I'm sure that Gannon has been stressing with his guys, and this is of the utmost importance, is guys, you got to tackle. You got to tackle. You can't if 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 it's a five yard pass, it's a five yard gain. We can't let McKinnon, we can't let Pacheco, we can't let these guys take five yard passes and turn them into twenty five yard gains. We have to tackle. We have to, you know, we have to keep the yards after the catch down because the Chiefs, this year, a lot of their success was based on yards after the catch because they got a bunch of guys that are really good at that. If this, if it happens, that as you guys say, you know, Rich Gannon, Rich Gannon, excuse me, Jonathan Gannon, has you know playing deep, let him pass it underneath, right? Thirteen mm-hmm. for thirteen in the first half. Every Eagle fan watching the game, their head's going to explode. Our Eagle fans are not going to be able to handle that. Yeah, no. And the Eagles could win the game, but they'll just go crazy watching it. By the way, Hassan Reddick is my dark horse pick for Super Bowl MVP. Uh, Defensive players have won it, I don't know, six times, I think, in the history of the game. Right. Last last pass rusher. Von Miller? There you go. Nice work. Good pull, Ray. Well, when you think think about it, Von Miller is Hassan Reddick. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of player you're talking about, and he's going to be playing that kind of role. There you go. It's not out of the question. Actually, I saw a handicapping thing the other day of MVP likelihood, and, of course, you start with two quarterbacks, but the number three is Hassan Reddick. Number three? Number three. I guess that bet's not good. Right, you gotta, you gotta stay away from the betting. Right? I, I know since you've retired, it's taken over your life. Yeah, oh, the degenerate gambler. That's Ray right. Dinger. There you go. Let's get John from Maniac with us. Hello, John. Hey guys, Ray. It's good to hear you on the air again. Here, good to be back, John. Thank you. Yeah, I miss your voice. But uh, before I get, I, I, I got a quick X and O's question for you. But you're talking about how things can tighten up for quarterbacks before a game. I remember seeing the national anthem when Jared Goff was a. Coach of the Rams. He oh, looked yeah. like he was back that, that, going for a that's, room. That's now. a real good one. Yeah, that is yeah. a real good yep. one. 
Yep. He looked like he was uh, you know I, I knew the game was ever right then. It's so it's so <laughs> funny. I that I remember that one so well cuz when they got the close up of him during the anthem, my wife was sitting next to me on the couch and they got the close up of Goff's face and I said, "Uh-oh." And that's exactly what I said. I said, "Uh-oh." I said, "I have seen that look before." And sure enough, he played scared the whole game. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah he did. Yes. But I want to hear Ray one last time your analysis on um been hearing all week one of our fears is Kelsey. How do you think are they going to bracket him? Can Avanti Maddox shadow him? How do you think they're going to do that? Uh, I think the one I think what you have to do with Kelsey is you can't do any one thing. You have to do a lot of different things. You have to make it a challenge for both him and Mahomes to understand exactly what coverage he's facing. I think they'll bracket him a lot. Uh, but I think you're going to have different guys covering him. I think it wouldn't surprise me, and I've seen a couple guys reference this. I think they might be right. You put Bradbury on him. Uh, I think you'll see uh, you'll see Gardner Johnson on him some, uh, I, and you'll have a linebacker underneath, and you'll have a safety over the top some. I think the thing you have to do is don't give him the same look two, three, four times in a row, because once Mahomes and and Kelsey know, once they get up to the line of scrimmage and they know what you're playing then they're going to beat you. You have to make them think. You have to make them react. You have to make them uncertain. And that's hard to do, but you can't just sit in one coverage and count on winning that battle all day. You have to keep changing things up and make them think and react. Hey, I want to take a minute here. Uh, Mike wrote a column about it. Mike, has the, uh, has the Eagles to Arizona column, I know it posted. Has it been in the paper yet? When's that running? Uh- uh, it's in the Bulldog, uh, but it will be in the Sunday paper. Sweet. And I read it online today. Uh, and you really did a terrific column. Looking back at the circumstances in 1985 when, amazingly, Eagle fans woke up to look at their Philadelphia Inquirer, and I guess their daily news too, right? Yeah. And, and see that all of a sudden was possibly lay it out and then I'll get Ray involved because I know he was involved in the coverage people who so that's we're now going back as I said 38 years so a lot of our listeners probably have no inkling that this ever even happened yeah well I mentioned uh kiddingly of course the degenerate gambling in reference to Ray but (laughs) it was a it was a real thing with Leonard Toes as everybody who's familiar with that era of Eagles football knows and he was 40 million dollars in debt and he was looking to sell the team and one day in the Arizona Republic, the Tuesday, December 11th, 1984, a columnist named Bob Hurt broke the news that the that Toes was looking to sell the team to an Arizona-based real estate magnate named James Monahan. And this hit Philadelphia like a thunderbolt. And, you know, fortunately for Eagles fans, within four or five days, uh, Wilson Good, the mayor at the time, and Toes were able to kind of hammer out uh, a settlement that allowed the Eagles to stay. There were, you know, NFL owners were going to help Toes out financially, and they changed the lease at the vet and all of these things. But to me, the interesting part of the story was was kind of tracing the deep throat, so to speak, of it. Like, how did Bob Hurt find this out? How did he confirm it? Because as Ray can tell you, Glenn, this was a rumor on the wind for a while, and nobody could nail it down. And then finally, Bob Hurt did. So the column was kind of about that, about how he confirmed that this was happening and kind of solving that mystery. And then the other aspect of it, too, was I spoke to Leonard Toza's granddaughter just to give a, a slightly different perspective on that time, because Toes justifiably took a ton of criticism from fans and the media. Oh, and- man, I remember the Ray Dinger column. I believe Ray wrote something along the lines of, 
It's the rich man in the limo who rolls down his window just to spit on you. Spit in your face. There you go. Yeah. Um, I got you. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was an interesting uh, step back in a time. And, so who was uh, the deep throat? So it was actually Leonard Toes' daughter. Uh, her name was Susan Fletcher at the time. Now she's Susan Spencer. Uh, and Bob Hurt, who knew everybody affiliated with Arizona, had been kind of sniffing around on the story, ran into Susan at a grocery store and asked her, what are you doing here? And she said, oh, we're moving out here and we're bringing the team with us. <laughs> and the interesting so part about it. they to keep it quiet all that time and she just blabs yeah. it. Yeah, and the interesting part about it, guys, and again, I get into this in the, into the column, was that the publisher of the Arizona Republic and his right-hand man, the, the community liaison, were both big boosters of trying to get an NFL team to Phoenix. And they had been working with Toes. So Hurt comes to them with this story and says, I've, I've scooped you guys. I know what you guys are involved with. And the publisher and the liaison say, okay, we got to go with it because we're a newspaper. And even though this may screw up our deal and we may not get the Eagles out here, we have an obligation to run the story. I give them credit for that. They could have killed yeah. the story and they didn't. Ray, tell one more time, Ray Dinger blissfully sleeping at home on a December night. Uh, having the sleeping suit on, I picture you with like the sleeping cap and everything, mm -hmm. snug under the blankets. Mm -hmm. What a week before Christmas! Yeah, and then what? Uh, the phone rings. It's like one thirty in the morning. And the phone rings and wakes me out of a sound sleep, and I fumble, I fumble around to grab the phone, and and it's the night city, the night sports editor, uh, Caesar Alsop, and he says, uh, "Had you heard anything about the Eagles, <laughs> Ray? Have you heard anything about the Eagles moving to Arizona?" <laughs> Uh, and I said, uh, no. Uh, and he said, well, there's a story that, uh, that's running in the Arizona Republic today that says the deal is basically done and the Eagles are, at the end of this season, are going to be moving to Arizona. And I said, well, uh, and he started reading. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who wrote the story? Uh, and he said, a guy named Bob Hurt. And I said, okay, it's, it's for real. Uh, because I knew Bob Hurt well. Uh, and I knew that Bob Hurt knew everybody, everybody in Arizona, and he talked to them, and they talked to him, uh, and not just sports people, but politicians and everything. I mean, he was a guy with a lot of influence and had a lot of sources. So when Bob Hurt wrote the story, as matter of fact as he did, that this is happening, I told the, I told the sports editor, "Yep, yeah, that's, that's for real. It's happening." And then we and then we just started scrambling at, at that hour of the morning, one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, calling people up. Just, you know, waking people up and asking them to confirm. And I remember calling a guy named Dennis Kucinich, who was the uh, a, a, a <laughs> senator from Arizona. Uh, and, uh, and he said, oh, yeah, he said, it's happening. Um, and basically said, it's, yeah, the deal's pretty much done. And so, yeah, we, you know, we were, in, we were an afternoon paper at that time. So we had later deadlines. So we got it out and we led the paper with it the next day. The yeah. Eagles. The Eagles are moving to Arizona, and that was all anybody could talk about for the next couple of weeks. I will tell you that indirectly, all of that led to me getting hired here because the Inquirer decided, like right after that, you know what? We should have somebody who covers sports business. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a guy at the paper named Craig Stock. You remember Craig? Nice sure. guy. Yeah, financial guy. Yeah, and they gave the job to him, and he did it for whatever, nine months, a year, and decided, like, eh, it wasn't really what he wanted. I think they were going to make him the business editor. And so they decided, you know what, let's hire another guy to cover sports business. I was in Detroit.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.